my gosh. What? We got an EVP in our last episode that said hello. Wait, what? Sabrina, you always tell me this when we start recording and then I get scared. Because I found out at like midnight by myself the other night when someone posted on our Facebook group and I was like, this is a good idea. And I played it and I was like, ah. I wonder whose side of the track it was on. It's like right after I say hello and then like something goes hello and it sounds like robotic and creepy and weird. Ew. Ugh. Okay. Oh, by the way, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hi, that is Sabrina. Hi. I'll never say hello again. We are two again. girls and apparently we might have multiple ghosts by the amount of yeah. PVPs we catch over the past 60 some episodes. Yep. This is 68. That's crazy. Plus the encounters. Oh, my God. Why didn't I start talking about this immediately? What? I have so many ghost stories. Wait, tell. Oh, from Thanksgiving? No. It was uh, some of my coworkers and I went out to dinner. with. Well, let me start with a different story that my roommate told me. And she's convinced that she was hallucinating because she was on. She was heavily medicated. Okay. Um, but she had a health issue happen a few years ago that kept her in the hospital. And while she was in the hospital, she said that a man would come each night and talk to her and she would talk to a man. She was like, I was hallucinating on so many drugs. And I was like, no, I think that was a ghost. That was for sure a ghost. I was like, if it was the same man every single night around the same time, I'm not sure that that's a hallucination. Or maybe it really was just like a friendly other guy who was in the hospital who was like, oh, this girl's talking to me. I'm gonna every night. Let's go talk. It wasn't that. I know it wasn't because her mom was in the room and would just see her talking to the <gasps> one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then also she told me at one of the companies that she has worked at that there is a ghost that dances around the accounting department in a red dress. When the accounting and finance team stays late, they see a woman in a red dress dancing around. Sounds like a holiday party ghost. Seriously. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And then another ghost story. Okay. This one's, I collected so many in like one week. I was like, what is going on? Have I not talked to you in this long? But it feels like we haven't recorded in a really long time, yeah. which we did. We did an episode last untrue, week, right? because we record every week. This is the one I collected at the business seed dinner thing. This guy, when he uh, was younger, he was renting a space for his like company in this building that was in New Hampshire. And so he was renting out this space and all the employees were to move in. And I'm going to butcher the story. And there are so many details. And it took him like 15 minutes to tell me. But I'm going to tell it to you in like one minute. Perfect. But basically, he moved into this spot. And pretty much immediately, he noticed that there was a woman that was wearing a shawl that he saw, like a ghost woman, and recognized that there was a spirit there. And so he spoke out to her and was like, hi. I am just coming here to work. Like, we're renting this space. I know it belongs to you. I don't want any harm. Like, I'm a good person. I know you're probably curious about why we're here. Like, he, he was totally explaining everything to her, hoping that there wouldn't be any issues in the future. It's so, a good way, it's a good way to enter a space that you know might have another ghost. Right. And he pretty much immediately saw her because he felt like someone was like following him. So he turned around and he saw this woman like wearing a shawl. <gasps> Yeah. So anyway, so he knew that they were there and all of the workers that moved into that space realized that there was someone there. And there were also multiple levels to this building. And they would see her, I believe, on this first level or the second floor or something, wherever they had their office. Mm -hmm. But in the basement and in the attic or like the top floor, a lot of 
bad stuff seemed to happen and they wouldn't know exactly what, but any workers that would come in, maintenance workers, construction workers, anyone, they'd be freaked out and they would run out and be like, we're not working here. Like, oh my God, there's something bad. There's something bad. And he did tell me some more details when we were at the dinner, but I'm forgetting. And I had a bunch of wine, so (laughs) I wasn't completely absorbing every detail. You were absorbing Um, something, but it wasn't the story. (laughs) Yeah. So then he... He goes out and he runs into the woman who owns the building and they're talking and they realize that she owns the building and that he's the tenant because she says her last name and he's like, oh, of the building? And then she goes, yeah. She was like, have you seen her? And he was like, the woman in the sh- with the shawl? And she was like, yes. And he goes, yeah. And she goes, well, I knew you did because she comes to me. She used to come to me as a child and talk to me and she still visits me and tells me what's going on. Oh, my God. So I actually knew that you had spoken to her. What? And so he's a little freaked out and it's kind of weird. And then eventually, fast forward to down the road, they move out of this office space and move elsewhere. And years and years pass by. Mm -hmm. And he gets a phone call and the woman, the landlord, is on the other end of the phone. She goes, I really need you to come back there is something happening and we need you like she's requesting you what and he goes how do you even get my number and she goes she gave it to me (gasps) no and he's like i don't want any part in this and he hung up and that's that we have no idea what happened holy bananas he was like nope nope i'm not going back to that ghost haunting building i don't care what's happening would you would you have gone back I don't know, but the curiosity is like, I don't know if I would have stepped in, but I think I might have gone to the edge of the property and been like, or like at least met the woman and been like, you need to tell me what's happening. Yeah. I would have for sure gone back because like those people didn't seem like they were bad people. Like they were trying to do anything bad. The ghost seemed like it was just like her place and like she was just trying to live there and maybe they really did need help. I'm so curious. Yeah. There was something upstairs though that was, was I think, a bit more evil or something like that because i'm pretty sure one of the maintenance workers like saw something like lift up and be tossed at him like there was some dangerous stuff happening what if they needed like in practical magic like strength in numbers to get rid of the evil yeah perhaps perhaps maybe the woman maybe it was some very dramatic thing and really this ghostly woman just didn't like the new tenants and was like can you call him back so i can tell him that he should just move in here (laughs) again because i love him i like him I like you. I like you. I like you. Come stay with me all night. Sleep here. Wow. That is intense. Yeah. So that was fun. I had um, drinks with my writing mentor the other night, and I fully creeped her out. She works on the show Sabrina, the Netflix show. And I thought, like, that meant she was, like, into, like, scary ghost stories. So I told her the story. Right. Yeah. But so I start telling her the story about my dad and how I was dreaming that my sister was getting possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. And she was so terrified. <laughs> and she went home. She went home that night and texted me. And she's like, I was home alone. And I got home and there was blood all over my computer. And now and I'm like freaking out. My husband's not home. And I was like, oh, my God, what was it? And I guess her cat has acne. And so her cat picked like a acne scab and it bled on the computer oh (laughs) wait the only thing i'm really taking away from this is i feel bad for the cat (laughs) and also cats can have 
acne? Yeah, animals get acne too. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You have pores and things happen. Um, okay. I just really wanted to read a review to you because it made me really happy. And like, you know, things I'm taking, I'm trying to take all the small moments and, and, um, appreciate them. So I wanted to read a review to you. iTunes review? Yeah. Okay. This is from, I think it's Shelly3030. And she says, Sorry in advance for how long the comment is. I've become absolutely obsessed with your podcast, coming from an extremely picky podcast junkie, mommy of three boys, and not having much quiet listening time. Once I found this, I somehow made the time to binge almost half of the episodes within a couple of days. I love feeling like I'm in a room with you guys as you tell your stories. My seven-year-old son always makes me turn off my true crime and paranormal podcasts because they're too scary and gory, but this one he loves and it keeps his attention, which is hard to do with him. Raising paranormal oh lovers over here. It's amazing. I love that. I know. <laughs> it's amazing and interesting without being too morbid. He now tells me to turn on the two girls who talk about ghosts. Coming from him, <laughs> that's an awesome compliment. Trust me. Uh, we love go- ghosties. And your personalities work so well and amazingly together. And I'm, I'm always waiting for my next car ride or anytime I can have some peace to listen. Love you both. And keep it up. Don't ever leave the podcast world dot 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 ever much love and see you on the other side michelle and maddox wow that means a lot especially coming from someone who's a not me coming from but her saying that she's a picky podcast listener because i don't know why i feel like it can't be picky to like (laughs) so that means a lot that we made the cut i know it just made me really happy you've become very good at weeding out The bad ones, we don't get that many bad ones, but, you know, it's inevitable. Someone out there, not everyone can love everyone. Right. What I didn't tell you is the review right before that was a bad review, and that's why her review made me so much happier because I was just really sad when I read the one before. So it was like I was at the lowest of my lows, and then I read her uh, review, and I was like, I'm back up, back on top. It makes me – and I I used to be – you know what? In the summer months, I'm so good at letting things slide and not responding to negative comments. But in the winter months, when I am lacking extra serotonin, I am just like, oh, I'm just, uh, I really take it personally. And I know I shouldn't. Well, can I tell you something that can raise your spirits? Yes. Beyond all the excellent iTunes reviews that we get from people and all this amazing support we get from the majority, 99.99% yes. of people. We don't need to complain about the 1%. Okay. This week, we chose to talk about ghost hunters. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you took the topic the same way I did, but I decided to talk about haunted ghost hunters. That's not how I took it at all. So okay, we are going to be doing two different things. But it's all about, in the end, the subjects are ghost hunters. Have you ever gone ghost hunting? Yes. Unofficially, with our friend Izzy, our freshman (laughs) year of college, we went in to the theater because lmu you you and izzy came over after yeah and we're certain we heard a woman's footstep there's supposed to be an old lady that like haunts the theater at lmu and we went in there at night and just sat in the chairs for like 30 minutes and i swear and he swears we both swear that there were footsteps going back and forth and back and forth on the stage Ah. or maybe we were imagining it maybe we should go back when next time you come to visit let's go back to the lmu theater sit in there late at night and record what we find 
Oh my God, that's just asking for trouble. Have you ever gone ghost hunting? I've gone, okay, I mean, I think unofficially, like I when I was in uh, Colorado with my family last year skiing, we went through the hotel that's like supposedly haunted and like, we were sneaking around and we all split up and we were like, okay, like talk to them, talk to the ghosts, like we're here to help. And like <laughs> we, nothing happened. We also had been drinking heavily before doing that. Yeah. I think I would do it, but like I don't think I would do it in the traditional way that I think we we see it on television, like where ghosts hunting, they go and they're like taunting the ghosts and they're like, speak to me. And they like want to have conversations with them. I think I'd want to go to a haunted place and like have an experience where I see and like experience a ghost without like trying to be like, hey, come to me, bad boy. Yeah, you're just observing and you're walking around and you're just it's like you're being a tourist exactly. and just like, oh, look at that room. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Ghost. Like, look at th- that ghost. Trying to summon people and be like, if you're here, tap three times and then poke this person. And then you have three scratches on your back and then you yeah. go home and you like have nightmares. You're tossing and turning and like something's wrong and you can't you can't quite figure it out. And then the next day everyone's like whoa like what's wrong with sabrina and then like a week later sabrina is no longer there because i am satan <laughs> oh jesus all right who did you choose or what okay or, who or what yeah team? so i chose the i chose like two stories within the ghost adventures team oh our dear friend zach baggins so ghost adventures is a show that features corinne your one true love zach baggins mm-hmm. sorry andrew um and they like for people who don't know the show or haven't seen it, I don't, I, which it, I'm sure you probably have. They travel all over the world and go to haunted locations, and then they document their uh, interactions with the paranormal and like often catch a lot of evidence about it. It's often scary. I think it was the first paranormal ghost hunting show I ever saw. Same, and they do like they've done big long live streams. Like I once watched a four hour what? live stream. Yep, my friend Ben and I watched it. Oh my it. god. Nothing happened. They didn't catch anything. But for four hours, we watched them try. Oh, I wish I had four hours to watch TV. Well, this was when I was in high school. Can we go back? <laughs> right. I hate being old. How did you do school, then do sports and extracurriculars, then go home and do homework, and somehow still have time to watch all the reruns of Seinfeld? And AIM message everyone. I know. I can hardly do... I don't... Well... I can't do anything. I like have eight. I seriously have 80 unread text messages right now. <laughs> and I'm like, it's too, I'm, I'm too far gone. I'm never, I'm not going to ever catch up. Oh God, I'm horrible at texting too. It's okay. You're great at texting me. Well, cause you're my partner in life. So thanks. Actually, something funny happened and then we'll get back to what we're really here for, which is the ghost stories. But, um, as everyone knows, I use the online dating apps and, I'm really horrible at texting, just in general. And uh, one of the guys that I was messaging with, he said, this must be what it felt like trying to court a woman in the 19th century, <laughs> sending letters by Pony Express, because I take like eight days to respond. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's so... F- you have to go on a date with him, because he sounds hilarious. <laughs> okay, but back to our perfect person who yes. needs no work on himself, Zach Baggins. Okay, so yeah. The show first aired in October of 2008, and it stars Zach Baggins and Nick Groff, who left Mm -hmm. in season 10, and then Aaron Goodwin. There's Poor Aaron. Aaron's the one that's always sent alone on his own to the basement. And Aaron is one of the ones I'm going to talk about. 
Oh, no. Because <laughs> he has had quite the experiences with the paranormal. There are 17 seasons of the show right now, and I think they have, like, over 200 episodes. Uh, I've decided to talk about Aaron Goodwin, and then I have, like, a, a little bit of a snippet about Zach. I was going to talk about the murder-suicide of Mark and Debbie Constantino because they were on the show Ghost Adventures. Like, they would guest star a bunch, and they're re- they were really close to Zach. And there are all these, like, theories of it having been, like, a paranormal-involved story. But as I was reading it, it's, like really dark and about like domestic abuse and stuff so it was like oh yeah. oh so i was like oh that's so that's tough. not i'm already sad in my life i don't need yes <laughs> i don't need more sadness no i need scary shit to get me on edge mm-hmm. get me up all night so i can do my work okay so this is aaron goodwin's story aaron was born on april 1st 1976 um and he's single because a ghost caused him to get a divorce so you can date him, I can date Zach, we can go on double dates. I think I'm going to keep Nick because Aaron has a lot of baggage and it's called many ghosts. Okay. And they're not positive or good ghosts. And he's like chill okay. with it. Like he's like cool with it. He's like, uh, yeah, I have, I have ghosts that follow me and they're not really good. And so whatever. I am tempted to say, and what I really want to say is I will avoid people like that because I don't want anything coming towards me, but that's selfish and those people might be isolated by others because of that. And so I feel I'm torn. I would totally meet him, but I would like wear a bunch of sage and garlic. (laughs) Vampire ghosts. You can never be certain. So... He's from Portland, Oregon, and as you, as we know, Aaron is, like, often the guy in Ghost Adventures who is, like, left alone as bait for the ghosts, which is, like, no wonder he has all these ghosts following him. And so because of this, on more than one occasion, ghosts have followed him home, and then there's this one instance which actually started in season one, episode one. The Ghost Adventures crew went to Bobby Mackey's Music World, which is in Wilder, Kentucky, and I read this whole article about how, like, Zach was talking about how they were idiots. They, like, didn't know what they were doing. They, like, kind of, like, were, like, super excited about the show that they they kind of let it get to their head and they went in a little bit unprepared. And they – the ghost that they encountered there was, like, really, really evil and it followed them all home and has, like, left these – kind of, like, scars on them, on all of them oh. for years, oh, for years. God like a witch bite yeah yeah and so whatever it was that they encountered followed aaron home and aaron says that it caused his marriage to sheena goodwin to fall apart aaron says that when he came home from that investigation everything changed and he immediately knew like something had followed him home something was weird he and his wife began to have the exact same nightmares night after night. And in these nightmares, it was this man who had a white beard and he would like kind of be like following him. And then in his wife's dreams, the white the white bearded man would be following her and like taunting them both in their dreams and like saying these really like nasty things about their spouse. And he'd like say like, I'm going to get. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get Sheena. I'm going to go after her. Like super like terrifying and taunting him. They were so bad that 
on multiple occasions, he and his wife would wake up screaming. It was just like mental manipulation and games and whatever the spirit was, was like, I'm going to play with these people before I do whatever I want to do. Can you imagine being that spouse or being the spouse of someone who brings something home like that? No. Plenty of marital problems stem from people working too much or bringing work home with them. But it's different. It's not like your husband in finance is making you do the math. (laughs) But when you're getting haunted, that is serious. And you have to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is the other thing that I was thinking about the whole time I was doing this research. I was like... There's one there are there are multiple major differences between the way that we approach the paranormal and the way that these ghost adventures guys ap- approach the paranormal because we do multiple things to protect ourselves and we're by no means inviting ghosts into our lives whereas I think when Aaron and Zach and uh all of them go on the show it's like very like we want these ghosts to like do physical things to us so that we can get it on TV and like cuz Nick when when we first started this podcast Nick was afraid that I was going to bring something in that's true. And, which is totally understandable because, yeah, like when you're talking about this topic, it's very possible that you're inviting something in. But I think we're very good about being positive and never inviting the darkness into our lives and just being like, I want to discuss you, but I do not want to talk to you. I do not want to see you. You are not allowed in my life. Right. I do feel – I honestly feel like less activity has happened to me since starting the podcast because I tend to like put up a guard and yeah, block things out. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case with Aaron. And so, like, these dreams are happening. These nightmares are happening every single night. And Aaron starts traveling for work because the show, like, they film most of the year. And then, like, he's, like, home for a few days and then he flies out again. So he's really hardly ever home. And every time he leaves, things and activity was picking up in the home. And so poor Sheena is alone by herself dealing with these nightmares things being ripped out of the walls and thrown across the floors like it it translated into their actual physical every day like it wasn't just during mm-hmm. the night and while they were sleeping um one time when aaron was home he grabbed for a glass out of the cabinet and it shattered like in his hand but instead of shattering into pieces of glass it shattered into a pile of dust oh what? like glass dust that is weird like that that doesn't happen that's like a like a genie yeah yeah type of thing it just like it seems like it would be in a cartoon right right when like you go fly past something so fast that your speed makes it like yeah just disintegrate yeah and glass doesn't i mean i'm no chemist scientist person who deals with glass and elements but I'm pretty sure glass doesn't do that. I've never seen powdered glass. Right. No. And like, I'm sure everyone's dropped a wine glass or something is broken that is glass in your home and it doesn't turn into dust. It shatters and it like, you get big pieces, you have little pieces that's all over the place. You even you'll vacuum and then you'll find pieces months later and you're like, oh my God, I thought I got it all. And then there was, like, this poster that they had uh, hanging on their wall, and it kept just getting ripped off the wall and, like, falling and flying across the room. So they finally, like, drilled it into the wall. They were like, like, try to get it out now. And this thing, even the nails were ripped out of the wall when the thing was taken off the wall. That's when you know. Yeah. No just, like, resident ghost who's milling about, just saying hello living their lives, are going to rip nails out of your wall. If your nail comes out of your wall or your crosses start going upside down, it is time 
to call in an expert. But what is he supposed to do? He is the expert. They were trying to come up with rational explanations and like they couldn't. Obviously, it's ghosts. But um, they'd hear all these like voices and noises throughout the day and night that clearly weren't in their home. And then it became so unbearable that one time when Aaron returned from a trip to Scotland, he realized he brought home another spirit. And it was like a spirit of a child who would like run around their home and start hiding things from him and his wife. And it just got so bad that he, that the child would join the man in their in his nightmares, and then they both started to taunt him. And they're, they're like, we're going to get your wife. We're going to get Sheena. We're going to get her. So now he has two spirits taunting him and his wife Holy in their dreams. Shit. And I am, like, getting full-on chills right now right? listening to this. This is so terrifying. And then they said that if – and so Aaron and Sheena didn't have any kids together – but the, the ghosts were like, when you have a kid, they'll be cursed forever with your entire family. Your whole family will be cursed. We'll get all of you. So horrible and threatening their offspring. And it just got so bad that Aaron was like, I can't do this to my wife. This is not fair. This is this is the career I chose for my life. Like similar to what you said, like you shouldn't have to put someone else through that. If that's your decision, then like don't put someone else through it. Right. Yeah, And so he and his wife decided to get a divorce. And they're, like, both, like, best friends. They still talk all the time. His wife, Sheena, has a new boyfriend. They hang out all the time. And Sheena will call him anytime. So this all originated when he went to Bobby Mackey's Music World. And they've gone back to that place since then. Or they'll, like, rewatch footage from it. Or they'll talk about it. And anytime that Aaron talks about, goes to hears anything about bobby mackey's anything in relation to it sheena will call him and be like are you talking about bobby mackey's right now because how does she know because something about their experiences left a mark on them so bad like regardless of their divorce like i think like it they're linked up it's like the twin twins how they have their own language and like just no yeah and it was probably so intense that like that feeling and emotion that hap- that occurred from those experiences it's like telepathy in a way how you can feel other people's energies we, like we've talked about when our friends or someone we know is in trouble or like we being in a bad place and the next day i'll text them and like they are i think it's like that kind of feeling yeah. right that's one of okay that's one of aaron's ghosts that follows him but i found this quote on the Aaron Goodwin Ghost Adventures Crew Facebook page. And it's like a quote he wrote. It's a, it's a story. And I felt inclined to read it because it is very interesting. And it's, again, going back to things that I think you and I try not to do. But mm-hmm. Aaron has tried to cleanse himself in the past. And he believes that it makes things worse. So he has just given up cleansing himself. Like, instead of, like doing any of that he's like all right like i'm gonna just let these ghosts follow me and i'm gonna embrace it so this is a quote from him and it's titled the three spirits that follow me by aaron goodwin he says people ask me all the time if i cleanse myself from from spirits the answer no i don't i believe that there are reasons why i was chosen for this there are reasons i know and there are reasons that i won't know until i pass on to the next life i don't cleanse myself because i know that i'm going to go right back out there and do it again the following week I feel that if I cleanse myself, I won't get the same interaction with spirits. I've done it before and all hell broke loose on me and my life. I decided a long, long time ago that I would just roll with it 
roll with the stuff that followed me home and learn from experiences. I have learned much from doing these investigations for so long. I now know why they follow me. There are three spirits that follow me most of the time. How do I know? I communicate with them at home. They have helped me through life even though they are bad spirits. If I come home from hunting and something has followed me home, the three spirits end up seeming to fight the new presence. There's only room for three because three is the evil number. Trinity. Mocking the Trinity. My house gets so active and even at times scary, but after a few days, all usually goes back to normal. Normal, as in just me and my three spirits. Who are these spirits? Well, one is the spirit from Bobby Mackey's Music World. I thought it was a bad spirit at first, but after time, I learned that this entity guided me to where I needed to be. It kept me alone and forced me to learn how to live with spirits. I saw that dealing with this spirit was for the best, even though I went through a tough time because of it. His divorce with his wife. The second spirit is something that I picked up in Scotland. I call it the vampire energy. This is why I'd wear garlic when I go meet him. (laughs) I met some people in Scotland that performed a test on me to see how my energy was. The experiment would be something that changed me forever. I can't tell you exactly what the experiment was or what it was supposed to be or do. There are other groups out there that claim that something through blood or whatever, but I learned from the pure source and not some wannabe source. I can say that this test was supposed to show a cut on one's hand if they were part of something significant from the past. Seven cuts appeared on my hand. And let's just say that they thought I was something special, which is, this is really weird. I really want to know what this ceremony reading was. I know. I want to do it, but like not anymore since obviously something followed him home from doing that. This person told me about the following three years of my life, and when that period was done, I would be in Romania. I didn't think much of it at the time, but this person was dead on. Things would transpire transpire through the years that the source told me would happen. Everything that was said to me came true. I believe that the energies that followed me pointed me in that direction. I needed to go, and they guided me on my journey. I'm not claiming that I'm a vampire or anything, but that source that tested me was. So that a vampire ghost was like, pushing him through this so interesting Uh the third spirit is the witch from jamaica i wanted to put this whole follow me home spirits thing to the test and i was going to make sure that i was right after the two spirits that followed me home i thought why not i wanted to see if a spirit really could stay with you as i walked into the forest where her grave what do you mean he wanted to know didn't he just say he had two ghosts following him doesn't he already know See, this is all, this is my whole thing. Like, I think like a ghost is telling him to do these things. Like, he keeps saying how he's being guided and told to do things. Is he, was he the one who said, I wanted to put it to the test and have something follow me home? Or is it the ghost? Yeah, that's a little, that's a bit, that raises some alarms, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then he goes about his life, like, his job is ghost hunting. And then other spirits try to come back, and those three spirits, say no to anyone else coming in perhaps because it's the three of them together that create this little magic bond this little spell potion and they're gonna take over the the pieces together and something bad will happen i don't know so he walks into this forest and he goes to her grave and he says i gave myself a few minutes before i started to roll the cameras i walked up to her grave got down on my knees placed my hands on her tomb, and silently meditated until we connected. I connected with her spirit during the interviews, so during the investigation that night, I returned to how I felt when we communed earlier. 
After I felt her energy, I opened my eyes and stretched my left arm to the center of her grave. I took the side of my thumb and placed it on her tomb. And as I pulled my hand back, some of my thumb's skin scraped, leaving a bit of my blood on her grave. I took a small, already broken piece of the spot where her body lies. And as I did this, I said, you have a piece of me and I have a piece of you. I don't know what came over me. I just did it. And after I asked myself, what the fuck did I just do? See, something came over him. Ghosts. Ghosts. I knew this was going to be interesting. And over the years, she and I have become very close. It was scary at home at first. All of the ladies that I've dated over the years have seen her in my hallway. But we, after a while, I guess we got got to an understanding. When times are rough, I always feel her comfort me. It's odd, but she's the main spirit that I communicate with at home. I have seen her so many times, and when I'm down or depressed, she is around to protect me. She looks after me when stuff gets scary. There are many stories to tell, but that's for later. My point is that I do not, do not cleanse myself of spiritual energies. I probably never will. I'm lucky to be where I am, even though it took me a long time to like it. After the Winchester Mystery House investigation, I changed and became what I am now. I call it my matrix moment. I took the red pill and saw how deep the rabbit hole goes. I was stuck down there for a while and then climbed back up out of it. I came out a different person for sure. I was wiser and very mother nature-ish. If this journey has taught me one thing, it's that the, the afterlife is not what we think it is. I'm all in for training for it. This life gives me the opportunity to have a head start in the learning process. It's just another way I've done things because of the job I was given. Oh yes, there's a lot you don't know about me. One day, I will tell you about it. Okay, I, I've lost all trust in this man. It doesn't sound... I don't think it's him talking. I don't trust you. Isn't it horrifying? Yeah, I'm really scared. I think this is the scariest story you've ever told me. (laughs) Because I feel like we're witnessing a real life possession. Because someone we watch on television is like full on being controlled by ghosts. Try watching Ghost Adventures again after hearing this story. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm okay. (laughs) I I don't want to see Zach anymore either because he's connected to i have him. a really good story about zach after this and i picked it just for you because i wanted to end this whole thing on a happier note okay but i have i couldn't be more folded over i'm like one little tiny ball <laughs> i don't trust the space around me anymore yeah you're <laughs> okay tell me about Zach. okay okay well okay to end aaron's story there is one thing he he's like the one thing that he agrees with us is that, that he will never do a ouija board because he that's where he draws his line that that's where Okay. He says it's different okay. than like Th- that's where he said it. He thinks that maybe he messed with a Ouija board in a past life, and it's an energy he can't handle. And then he said he thinks that when he passes on, he'll be hunting humans instead of hunting ghosts. What? Wait, what? Like haunting them? But he tried to be f- witty and said hunting humans and hunt. That is not how I took it. I took he's coming back in his next life possessed entering a body and is gonna be a serial killer maybe he will i don't know or maybe he'll do what his spirit guides are doing to him now i don't can you call those people those spirits spirit guides i mean they're guiding him whether it's positive or negative they're still guiding him kind of sounds like a spirit manipulator okay that's a good way to call him um but he does say that he's afraid that when he does pass on all of the ghosts and demons that they've taunted on the ghost adventures show will be there and like standing there and like hands on hips being like welcome to our world aaron what's up but then he said if that's the case he plans to be like oh my god hi like i'm so glad you're here because i want to join your ranks let's go get nick and zach 
<laughs> That's a good way to handle things. <laughs> and then to end this in a little bit of a nicer, lighter uh, story, uh, I wanted to tell you about Zach Baggins. And obviously he has a ton of experiences, as you can see on the show, but his very first experience or like some of his very ex- first experiences were when he was in high school and like or when he was a kid he um one of his friends when he was a teenager he was living in Glen Ellen in Illinois and he, he wasn't really aware of like his paranormal abilities and he didn't really like kind he had no idea what he was doing with his life so he was like ghosts what but he also like when he heard ghosts similar to us he was like ghosts cool so his friend was like, oh, there's this like really cool road. It's called Munger Road in Bartlett, Illinois. And they have like this haunted railroad. And then there's this farmhouse that if you drive up to it, it will appear and disappear. So they all like go and they go to this house. And sure enough, they drive to the house and they get there and they see this house. All of the lights are off and they kind of all like look away and they look back and the house disappeared. And then they look... Uh, they were like "Ooh, oh. that's weird they all got chills they got like it was like super weird and they like were about to turn the car back on and then they look back up and the house is back again and this time a porch light turns on and a man no no don't go in no they didn't they didn't they didn't go in okay <laughs> and a, oh my god a man comes and he stands out on the porch and just stares at them and they were like oh, let's get out of here so they sprinted away yeah. Well, they Good drove choice. away. They had a car. They drove away. Oh, my God. And then Zach forever regretted going and running away. And so he dedicated his life to just chasing ghosts after that. Right. Correct. And he, before he, again, like another experience he had before, I promise I'm getting to the good point. It's just where I'm going to end. I have to go through the scary stuff and then I'll end happy. Okay. Um, And he says this other story in high school, a friend pulled out a Ouija board and he was like kind of like he didn't really know what. Ouija boards were he like again he wasn't really into the paranormal and like didn't understand that it was such an important thing in his life and Mm -hmm. this girl starts asking the Ouija board all these questions about Zach and the spirits are answering like the exact answer and they knew everything about him like really really personal things that he would never have told anyone and he he like made his friend stop because he was like stop it stop it stop it like this is messed up like these spirits know who i am and that was like the first moment where he was like oh like there's this connection i have to the spirit spirit world and they know who i am but i don't know who they are yet and now oh he's learning who they are but interesting mm -hmm, the happy thing zach obviously is around some negative energy a lot and so he has turned to dogs because he believes <laughs> that a higher power or god created these creatures to give humans a balance from people and spirits who can be truly evil and he has become an active supporter against animal cruelty and has realized that when you rescue your pet from a shelter it's the most amazing feeling in the world how an animal can change your life by you giving it a better one. It is so true. Yeah. Dogs are and animals are angels. Yes. They're innocent and sweet little babies. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that Zach works with dogs. I knew you would and that's why I saved it for the last. So sweet. That makes me happier. I'm slowly unfolding <laughs> my arms and my body. You stressed me out. I know, I'm sorry. 
wow, yeah, that's really creepy. I'm not so sure how I feel about the series now, knowing all of that. I mean, I always thought about how haunted they must be and why they would continue. That's the that's the other thing. Why continue? Because they're no longer when, themselves. Yeah. And I and know, even in Aaron's like quote that he said, like he was like, I was alone, but my spirits have comforted me. They've brought me to where I know I belong. Humans aren't meant to be alone. Like we are a social creature. And so if something's isolating you, it's because it wants to feed off of some kind of energy. Right. And also you reading the quote, what's interesting to me is that it's almost like as he wrote it, something took over because he changed what he was saying. He started out by saying like, I was really scared. Things were following me. Everything was evil. But like I didn't have a choice. I had to give up the people I love to protect them. And then he went, he moves on from that from saying, oh, I was being guided. And so I wasn't really in control anymore to all of a sudden being like, this was the choice I needed to make. And this is what's helping me through life. It's like, no, that seems weird. That seems like a parent over the shoulder telling you what to yeah, write. And the fact that this like witch spirit who um, like the third spirit he picked up, the fact that she shows up anytime like a female is like in his home, it's kind of like he's mine. You know, that's territorial. I don't like this one. I don't like this one. Nope. Nope. This was a bad one for me to to participate in. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was going to... I don't know. When I saw you were doing ghost adventures, I thought it would be like asterisk lighthearted. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, I'll be watching some television. Eating some snacks. Some. What did you pick? I did not do a haunted ghost hunter, but I did do the story of Harry Price, who's pretty much the OG ghost hunter Ooh. and almost like created ghost hunting. Ooh, I don't know him. I didn't either until researching him, but I got pretty much all this information from prairieghost.com. So shout out to them for writing this article and doing all the research for me. If you ever want to like go down a hole aside from reddit prairie ghost is probably one of the best websites to do it because they have a tidbit or like information about every haunted place in the world yes prairie ghost is great also oh, what's that website that lists them all out it's ranker oh, ranker. Yeah, ranker yep ranker has a ton okay this is the story of harry price he lived during the golden age of spiritualism which may make you think that he was like an accepted person in his community but no he was very disliked he was distrusted and he was considered an embarrassment what? at the time. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like being so publicly disliked by everyone? No. And I don't want to have to imagine that because I uh, we get one bad iTunes review and I imagine that. <laughs> I know. Horrible. And he like dedicated his life to this field. It's like it's like he was being attacked for both who he was as a person and also his profession. You know what? This is what being a celebrity is. I'm sure Ariana Grande gets this all the time. Peter's going to hate. Okay, but he probably had plenty of ghost friends, so I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> Harry was born in 1881 in London, and he was just eight years old when he went to his first magic show. He saw a magician, and that triggered his fascination in anything paranormal, anything tricky, anything magic, anything a little offbeat. So he began collecting magic books, and he also began attempting to conjure spirits. Mm. Sounds pretty dangerous. Yes. 
and he was only 15 years old when he conducted his very first ghost hunt, which was at an old manor house nearby. Was he alone? No, he had a few people with him. Okay. Um, and But it was in this house that he heard phantom footsteps, and he thought that he should try to capture the spirit on film. And so he attempted to take a photo, but like, remember back then in the 1800s, the cameras weren't quite as user-friendly as our iPhones are today. Um, so I don't know exactly how the camera works, but what I read was that he loaded his flash or his camera with too much flash powder. Mm -hmm. And so he attempted to take a photo when spiritual activity was going on, but it failed. But that didn't deter him from future investigations. He was just like, you know what? I need to do better. I need to be more prepared. I will figure it out. I will catch something. Ooh. So Harry went on. He went on to finish school. He got married to a wealthy heiress named Constance Mary Knight. Wow, what a name. I know. That's when, you know, they come from the money. (laughs) When you say all three names, either that or they're a murderer. You know, like Sabrina Deanna Roca. I'm a murderer because she's definitely not rich. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he marries this rich chick. They are happy, I assume. There was nothing written about their marriage, so I assume all was well. And he went on to work in the field of spiritualism and paranormal investigation. He was researching ghosts, and he was pretty much like the main guy responsible for bringing this ghost and like paranormal research to the general public. So it was never really a thing before. And he was like, no, this is real. And now all of you public little tiny people get to hear about it. So he was super fascinated by paranormal activity. And though many people did not like what he was talking about, he was a very charismatic guy and he still had a lot of charm. His interest in ghost hunting and also his general like of people, he liked people, kind of led him to go down this life and try to almost entertain people with what he found and his ghost hunting. So he was able to fund his life ghost hunting, which is like super cool. Can you imagine that being your full-time job back in the 1800s? I mean, I always think about like how did, think about all the career options now and Mm -hmm. i feel like we've created them all could you imagine being the forefront of an entire career oh my god i know he started that that's amazing yeah but also if you think about it blogging is a new thing as of like the past decade so you never know what new if you were to come up with a new career what would it be i was thinking packaging the powdered cheese that you get in macaroni and cheese boxes that's probably done by machines but yeah, so I guess that there goes my dream job. I don't know. I can't think of anything that isn't already invented. Exactly. I don't understand how Harry Price did it. He's a genius. I literally can't think of one thing right I now. know. Okay, anyway, I forgot what we were talking about. But uh, Harry Price. I'll go back to my story. Harry Price lived his whole life pretty much as a ghost hunter. He was super famous. And you might be thinking that Harry turned into all the other many ghost hunters who claimed to speak to the dead. A con man. So many people are con men. There are plenty of people who fund their lives off of playing tricks and pretending to have a gift that few people do have. And a lot of people who do have the gift don't necessarily go into the field of like actually doing readings and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, back then, especially, a lot of people were conning people in the age of spiritualism. But he was like, nope. He wasn't in it for the money. And he didn't want to entertain people through conning them he was legit and he dedicated his life to actually exposing 
the people who were conning other people. So he spent a ton of his professional career testing and exposing these fraudulent people. He would demonstrate how the trick slates were used by mediums to fool all the customers. So like, um, remember you did the Fox sisters? Yeah, I was like, just going to ask. Yeah. So I, I don't think he investigated them. I don't remember if the years overlapped at all. But like, it would be someone like that, you know, like where it was this like spectacle, like, ooh, come hear the rapping in the walls and whatever. Like he would investigate that. I'm interested because remember when we were, when I was talking about the Fox sisters, like there were a ton of like men who would be left alone with the sisters to like, test yes. them. And I wonder if like, I'm not saying that all of them are bad, but I wonder if Harry was one of those guys who genuinely was trying to quiz the Fox sisters. That'd be so interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. I was half expecting that to come up as one of the cases on the research that I was doing on Harry, but no, it doesn't mean it didn't happen or that I didn't look deep enough or at enough articles. But yeah, it is interesting. And the other thing that's interesting with Harry is he totally believed in the paranormal world, but he also just didn't want it to be abused and he didn't want it to be a mockery. And so he would expose these people, not because he was like, it's not real, but because he was like, a lot of these people aren't legit. Right. And I'll show you what is legit. Yeah. And he wanted to be fair. I think that's. Yes. I understand that. So he went around, he investigated not only haunted houses, haunted buildings, et cetera, et cetera, but people too. So he pretty much did the whole, ran the whole gamut, like the whole time. Also, one thing that I think is pretty freaking sick about Harry is that he himself became an expert magician. What? <laughs> yeah. So it's remember. Like Houdini. So yeah, like it, the first, the thing that got him into the paranormal investigative world was watching a magic show when he was eight years old and that pretty much inspired his entire life and he himself learned magic so well and actually used his magic during investigations of psychics to debunk their schemes because he knew all the tricks yeah he literally fought magic with magic wow uh, one of the first people that he exposed was the photographer William Hope and William Hope was pretty famous because he would take pictures of spirits so he would and he was like rolling in the dough he was making the big bucks he would photograph people and other people who were not in the room at the time would appear on the film and he would be like these are the portraits of your dead relatives standing behind you how 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 does someone do that i don't really understand how he did it then with the type of like film and stuff that they had but basically he would pre-expose plates and do some other stuff. And I don't really understand how the yeah. manipulation works. But basically, he was editing these people into frames. So I think he was like ex- pre-exposing exposing plates of like probably the previous people who just came in to get their portrait. And right. then he was overlaying it with the new photo. So it would come up kind of like half blurry. Interesting. So Harry busted William for his photographs. He exposed him as a fraud, which was like horrible for William because he was so rich and he was famous. And so this was like a big case for Harry. It was one of his first his first big publicity cases. So people were like, maybe not too fond of Harry because I guess he kept it real and he kept it truthful when it came to the ghost industry. And a lot of people were making their money through conning others. And so he wasn't liked by those people because obviously he was exposing a ton of people who claimed to be in the same community as him. And then also, as we know, ghosts and that sort of topic isn't always considered um, your average dinner party conversation. So it was a little faux pas. And so people were like, why are you talking about this? 
I also wonder if because spiritualism came about in a time of war and people were losing a lot of their loved ones. And I I wonder if people also didn't like him because he was outing people as frauds when they had helped. Like, so say like I went to a went to an event and the person there was like oh i'm speaking to your loved one who passed away mm-hmm. and then they're outed as a fraud in this moment that you felt like was real and you felt like you were talking to the person that you miss is now a fraud so you're like confronted with that pain no one wants to feel like they're foolish right you know you want to believe in that magic because you're so sad and you miss the people in your life and also the other thing is like it wasn't just him saying like oh like the spirit the soul moves on and then it lives in heaven and your loved ones are like it's real and they are safe now he was talking about like actual hauntings like souls trapped Mm -hmm. on earth or choosing to stay here and like evil spirits la-di-da so it it wasn't happy um okay so harry got very very lucky when he met a young nurse named stella he and stella met on the train and they started talking about ghosts I'll see you do. Mm-hmm. He and Stella, they're talking spirits, and she started to tell him that she's was hearing noises and that there were cold spots in her home, and she saw some items move around. They would be misplaced, and she even witnessed items levitate in the air at her home. What? So she was like a little freaked out. Yeah. And Harry was like, "Uh, yeah, I would love to investigate you. Please <laughs> let me do so." So he paid Stella to come in and participate in a study and so she continued to come in for multiple sessions um, to meet with harry and his team at the london spiritualist alliance and they conducted seances and during the very first seance stella seemed to have a spirit attached to her this was supposed to be a spirit guide rather and the spirit guide's name was palma and palma was definitely the one that was responsible for the paranormal activity that stella was experiencing at home because while they were there and while they were communicating with palma the temperature would drop drastically weird tapping noises would begin and Palma seemingly responded to questions and commands by moving the table around mm. and like off the ground into the air. Oh, that scares me. And mind you, this wasn't just Palma like appearing and doing this. She was being channeled basically through Stella. So Stella, who never considered herself in touch with the spiritual world, was channeling a spirit. Why? And Harry had a bunch of ghost hunting equipment with him. So... Oh, and some of some of the ghost hunting equipment he invented himself. He was an amateur inventor. So he was a magician, an inventor. He spearheaded basically ghost hunting. He was cool. People did everything. The reason people didn't like him is because they were jealous of him. He They were, and that's actually part of it. Like they were very jealous that yeah. he a lot of people in his community too were um, really rich and they also had a ton of education and he had l- much less than them right. but he was just like naturally great at things and so there's a lot of jealousy and resentment good for him one of the devices he created was called the telekinetoscope which essentially was this device and it had this little light on it and it would flash red or like turn on red when psychic powers were being used <gasps> and when stella was present in the room the red light was always on he also had devices like a cage that had items inside this cage that were meant to be manipulated. So it would be like they tell a spirit like, oh, lift the little like trinket or whatever. And it would stay in the cage. Yeah. But it would be like see if the things would move around or whatever. The items were somehow dislodged from the cage when Stella was present. Ooh. Chair rose into the air and a wooden table's legs snapped while Stella was present. Wow. So Stella. Sounds pretty damn scary, doesn't she? 
Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't really realize that she was this like big medium channel for spirits and it got pretty bad and a lot was happening when she was being investigated because that was like the spirit's opportunity to go through her and communicate. Mm -hmm. So she herself was very much feeling the effects of using her abilities. And after 11 seances, she'd become so tired and her heart was racing and any change in temperature in a room would just like she would not be able to regulate her body temperature. She was always like oh, shivering. And girl. so she went and saw a doctor and the doctor was like, you got to push the brakes on this. Like you're definitely suffering from exhaustion here. So, yeah, the channeling drained her and she was like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. But Harry somehow convinced her to continue working with him and she actually lost her job. And so it was kind of like this thing where she was like, OK, like, I guess maybe. Yeah, sure. That's the thing. I feel like even people who have such psychic abilities or are mediums in this way, that is the issue a lot of them have is because they don't know how to shut it off or they don't know how to protect right. themselves. And like it's like they're a constant source for these spirits which means that they don't have time for themselves yeah and especially if it's like channeling through where it's almost like possessing you yeah i mean if you're like a Teresa caputo situation where you're just like oh spirit is here and spirit's telling me that there's a tractor and the tractor's name is todd and oh actually that's your father and he owned a tractor like that's different than like being someone like taking you over and moving items and being yeah. like blah, 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 my name is you know? Where does like where does your soul go during that time? You know, yeah. Is it trapped, squished in the corner of your body, or is it floating above you, being like, "Whoa, dude, you kind of pushed me out of my space here." Oh, that's so weird. What is like? Is your? Oh, I have so many questions. Like, does your brain become the other person's? Like, are or you... do you go into autopilot? Yeah, and your body's just like not even thinking thoughts. It's just like breathe, pulse the blood. Yeah keep the kidneys going Interesting. crazy yeah so okay so she was super drained but harry convinced her to continue working with him and she sat through two more seances but then she cut ties with him completely and no one knows exactly what happened but something bad must have happened during one of these seances uh. and it must have really scared her because she just like straight up stopped talking to him wow cut ties but then three years later she came back and wrote him a letter apologized for his misjudgment her misjudgment of him and then asked to work with him again so i really wonder what happened Ooh. and how she realized that whatever happened wasn't really his fault what if like a spirit took over him for a moment oh and like did something or said something and then she thought it was like him revealing himself as like who he really was in this like moment of like stress or anxiety or whatever it was yeah and then maybe later in her life, she started realizing, like, because she has such a strong energy, like, people around her sometimes get impacted by it. And, like, maybe other people around her started, like, getting possessed by this spirit. So it wasn't Harry. It was, like, this other spirit around her. I really like that thought. That's much more intricate and thought out than what I had assumed, which was <laughs> just that perhaps she kind of blamed him for the uh, activity that was happening to uh -huh. her and she just had enough and then she left and then realized that the problem was her she was open and the spirits would follow her with or without we'll never know so three years later she came back she apologized and she did another nine seances with him but then eventually quit after that she got married and she moved on so it's assumed that she just had a normal life after that wow but harry was very very grateful for his time with stella he had met although unbeknownst to stella at the time a very powerful medium mm. and this for this he got a lot of criticism mm. because the 
the magic community thought that he was crazy for believing Stella had any real powers. And then the spiritualist society was like, I don't know about this. This is kind of scary what's going on. And we don't really agree with this. And they banned him from doing the seances on their property. So he was pretty much getting getting targeted from both sides. Interesting. Of all of the communities that he because was a part of. He was like kind of straddling both of them in a way that had never been done before. Right. And and those are two communities that would be at odds with each other. So yeah, that's it's interesting. Because wow. he yeah, he was totally sitting somewhere in the middle. He wasn't being an extreme of either side, you know? Right. He was just taking what he could and what he could learn from both and applying them to just being a real normal person person isn't that life though taking things from everything learning you really from every i was thinking experience. about that because you got to get all the sides all the perspectives so while he got kind of some negative comments from both parties the two societies he was a part of he did gain quite a bit of respectability from all the seances and investigations and research he did with stella so his street cred skyrocketed. And his time with Stella also led to his desire to work with more mediums. So he began testing mediums with his equipment. And this wasn't just, I mean, before he was like doing a lot of this stuff to expose people as fraudulent. But mm-hmm. this time he was he was also trying to find people who were legit like Stella and try to understand how much they were capable of, how much they could control and like somehow measure this and he also applied scientific theory to his research and he attempted to like i said before like measure it like actually have science behind the seances like recording the temperature in the room and how it changes and like all these things that like an actual scientific study would he tried to put controls on paranormal activity so it was super interesting because he was like you know he wasn't he wasn't just like oh i believe he was like actually trying to somehow prove it so that everyone would agree i I like that respect yes and he continued to investigate and record the paranormal phenomenon he investigated like uh poltergeist possessions more mediums he even had a case of a talking mongoose spirit what like like an animal which was probably a demon but or or was it a spirit that has been through many lives and as was at one point human? Like, does every spirit have the ability to talk in whatever language or form that the person they're appearing to speaks? I don't know. But if we go on reincarnation and a bit of Hinduism, maybe you go through every single life until you meet, you become like self-actualized and you meet your perfect self and then in that form, instead of being this sort of like spirit guide or higher being, you become an animal. A mongoose. A mongoose. A dog. A horse. A hermit crab. You never know. A walrus. Okay, so one thing that I really like about Harry, even though I've already listed many, <laughs> is that he would try to debunk his own work like a good scientist does. He wanted to make sure that it was Anything he found that was paranormal, he wanted to make sure, absolutely certain, that it was paranormal. And he actually exposed a few people this way, which, like, got people angry with him. Because, like, there was one famous case where he – everyone believed this one person was – like psychic or a medium or had all these capabilities and he himself had investigated this guy and was like oh yeah he's legit and so everyone's like he's legit oh my god but then harry went back and was like i'm gonna start taking pictures of this 
and he caught the guy like cheating and using kind of like magic. So he he had disproved something that he had already confirmed. So I like that he was constantly being like, well, did I check everything? Right. In 1920, Harry joined the Society for Psychical Research. It's a hard, hard to word. say. It's a hard word to say. And he was already known as Britain's most famous ghost investigator. And then once he started actually trying to prove rather than debunk ghost activity, the society was like, this is not what we like. And so for this reason, we will have a strange relationship with you. And so the society basically thought that he wasn't kind of like what I was saying before, how they were all like rich and snobby. And he wasn't they didn't think that he was a real scientist, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't educated enough. He wasn't gentlemanly enough. They were jealous. Yes. And so he wasn't really accepted into the society, which sucks because I feel like he was such like a strong person at the time. And he was a part of all these communities and he would try to be a part of these societies and communities. And it seems like everything that he joined, people were just like, no, you're not enough one way to be a part of us. But honestly, okay, this is proof, if anything, no matter what people say to you, do what you want to do and don't give up. If you love something, then freaking do it. Freaking do it. Lesson learned by Harry. And he actually stayed in that society up until his death. So I guess he was like blocking out the haters. Didn't really care. He just wanted to write Society of Psychical Research on his LinkedIn page. So that's <laughs> the only reason he kept that. Okay, so just a little recap of Harry. Because I'm there's so much information on him so many other cases that are highlighted you can totally research this if you want on your own but i'm just gonna do a nice little nice little recap for us or a nice little end to talk about what a cool guy harry was great he made some seriously awesome contributions to the paranormal investigative world he was the first ever person to do a live radio broadcast from a haunted location Ooh. So that's like something we've talked about. Like if we ever do actually get to do like a bunch of live shows to choose haunted locations. And like he kind of spearheaded that. Like I'm going to record in a haunted location and do a live radio broadcast. He also convinced the University of London to open a library and set up a university council for psychical investigations. And this library actually still exists today. And on display, they have a bunch of Harry's belongings from his work as a paranormal investigator. And uh, he also set the precedent for how paranormal investigations should go during one of his more famous cases. He went to the, uh, what was it called, Borley Rectory. And he, from that experience, I-, I believe he printed the first ever handbook on how to conduct ghost hunts. And he what? rented the house for a year and had people investigate it around the clock. He also wrote books. He created the idea of a ghost hunter kit. And he continued to search for the truth. He invented ghost hunting equipment. He guided other people into navigating careers in this field. And he ultimately was a huge, huge pioneer in the ghost hunting world. Wow. Harry. Harry Price, everybody. Small clap. I guess I hadn't really thought about the history of ghost hunting. I was just like, oh, yeah, people just, you know, did it. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Right? Yeah. I wonder what... Harry's passed on. So I wonder he, if he, Yes. He was born in the eighteen late 1800s. So he's not still around. Cool. I have multiple questions. 
What yes. if he's reincarnated as, for example, an Aaron Goodwin or someone who's on one of these shows, Ghost Hunter shows, and is reconnecting with like if it's Aaron Goodwin reincarnated and he's reconnecting with spirits from his past life and those are the spirits that are following Aaron no no because Aaron's possessed and Harry was stronger than that but maybe these spirits were spirits that were like he had talked to with Stella I don't know but I I do wonder what if he's a ghost if he's around what he's up to who he is. I want to keep Harry in a safe little case in my mind that he's just a good guy and he moved on. And now everybody's safe. Okay. Maybe he's a dog. Maybe he's Zach oh, Bagan's dog. Maybe he's a mongoose. Maybe he's a mongoose. That's what he took away from all of his research. <laughs> I'm going to be a mongoose in my next life. He met that one mongoose ghost and he was like, you've got it. You're doing it right, sir. This is it for me. <laughs> you mongoose. Love at first sight listener stories so we've talked about this on the podcast before and i am sticking with my i am sticking with my topic of ghost adventures Mm -hmm. but we've talked about how post malone hung out with zach baggins and touched the debuck box and was like questionably haunted by it in dealing with the uh repercussions that come with the debuck box the curse Mm -hmm. we got an email from Chelsea, whose sister was there that night. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> I wouldn't joke about this. <laughs> Did you make this up? <laughs> I don't have the time to make up stories like this. <laughs> okay. So this is from Chelsea, and it's called Zach Baggins and Post Malone de Book Box. Hi, ladies. I have a crazy story to share, and I have honestly been dying to send it from the second my sister called and told me what happened. But she was told that she wasn't allowed to share publicly, so I I had to keep it to myself for a few months. Now that the story is out to the public, I have her permission, and I'm sharing her side of the Post Malone, Zach Baggins, DeBook Box fiasco. Insert terrified, excited squealing here. Ugh, blessed be. (laughs) Some quick backstory. So my sister is an extremely gorgeous, friendly, and social person, and she's constantly meeting new people and making friends with everyone in her path, including celebrities. Like, what the hell is my life, and why is this her life? Yeah. (laughs) So on the night of a post-concert in Phoenix, she wasn't ready to turn in right after the show, so she went to a casino inside the hotel that she was staying at to meet up with a friend that happened to be working in the concert security. Much to her delight, her friend was there along with Post and a few other members of his security team. She got the opportunity to meet him, make quick friends, and as well as make friends with one particular member of his security team with whom she exchanged numbers. After a bit of conversation, they realized she would be in Las Vegas the same weekend that he had a show booked. She was invited to hang out with them at the show and afterwards. So cut to a few weeks later when they were in Vegas, she gets a text letting her know that the show was at full capacity and there was no way the club would allow them to get her in, but instead to meet them at the MGM mansion the next day to hang out with them. Seriously, what is her life? Literally, what the hell? (laughs) I know. While she was at the mansion, Post was spending the day with Zach, ghost hunting, casual, Her security friend gets a call to pick him up, and he invites my sister to go along. So, of course, she says yes because Zach Baggins. They get to the museum and ended up... (laughs) And also Post Malone. I mean, she had met Post before. She had never met Zach. I guess. But, I mean, yeah. I always talk and say that I have a crush on Zach, but 
never had a dirty dream about Zach, but you can bet your ass had a dirty dream about Post Malone. Corinne! Dirty secrets being aired on Two Girls, One Ghost. Yeah, it confused me a lot when it happened. I was like, wow, I didn't think that was going to be a thing. (laughs) So, of course, she says yes because Zach Baggins. They get to the museum and ended up hanging out for a little while because they were still finishing up their hunt. She finds out that the reason they went to pick them up was because other security members were freaking out during the hunt and had a and had a driver take them back to the mansion, leaving Post behind. LOL, kind of. That is so funny. Post's own security had to leave him alone because they were too scared. Yeah, and then also Post, like, that should clue you in to maybe you shouldn't be there. And yeah. also, Zach, show some responsibility. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Zach and Post come busting out of the room that they were in and go straight outside without saying a word. Post takes some time to calm down out in front of the museum, and my sister had the opportunity to talk to Zach a bit. She shared her own experiences with him and then and explained that throughout the conversation, he seemed really drained and out of it. After about half an hour, they get into a cab to leave the museum, and she asked Post about their hunt and if he wanted to talk about what happened because he was obviously trying not to cry. He ultimately explained that when they went into the hunt, with all attention pointed towards the book box, they removed the gold case and began a recording session. Post got really freaked out and started to leave the room when he realized Zach had stopped responding to him and was not making any moves to leave the room. Then he noticed that Zach had put his hand on the box as if he oh was God. going to open one of the doors. He yelled at him a few times, but he described Zach as like nothing he had ever seen before, completely unresponsive and not himself. He explained... <gasps> That they had oh been friends for years, and he's gone on multiple hunts with him, but he's never seen Zach respond to anything in this way. Post was able to get him away from the box, but it still seemed like he wasn't listening to him, despite the fact that he was literally yelling his name and telling him, telling him they had to leave. In the end, Post grabbed Zach by the arm and practically dragged him out of the room, and they went straight outside. He told my sister that he had never been so scared of anything, and in an attempt to calm slash comfort him, she decided to change the subject and asked about his music and asked about how he would feel if one of his songs came on the radio during the drive. He responded with, I'd probably just chill. (laughs) And wouldn't you know, the next song that played was one of his. So now Post is possibly cursed and also thinks my sister is, is magic, LMAO. She said that he seemed to calm down and get into a better mood as she as he sang along to his song on the radio, but he still just looks so tired and drained, more than he usually does, I guess. Since then, one horrible thing after another has happened to him, including his girlfriend breaking up with him, the plane thing, the accident, his house getting broken into. Yikes. I picked her up from the airport the next day. She told me what happened, and as soon as we got home, I saged her entire body, her suitcase, her bedroom, and the whole rest of the house. She got super annoyed because she hates the smell, but I told her that she had been with a person who was messing with an uncovered de book box, and I was not risking that shit coming home with her. And the smell of sage is better than a debook box pee smell or demons. I hope that everything that has happened with Post since that day is just coincidence. But who really knows? Even worse, apparently Zach has become pretty obsessed with the box and the idea of actually opening it up. Hopefully oh, people- my God. No, 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 no. Hopefully people around him can continue to successfully talk him out of it. It's not for his own safety, but for the safety of everyone that works in the museum and or visits. I'm glad I got to finally share this story. Thanks for reading. Stay spooky. And don't open cursed boxes. Chelsea. Chelsea, what is your sister's life? What is your life? Why is this happening? It's 
wild. So wild. And also, I don't trust that Zach's not going to open the box because he owns that museum. He can yeah. go after hours. Yeah. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he, I hope his dogs stop him. Me too. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron suddenly was told and directed <gasps> and guided to help him open the box. What if this is all part of his spirit guide's plan? Like we have to bring all of these haunted objects into the museum and open and unleash like a Pandora's box of sorts. But this reminds me of that podcast, The Black Tapes. Yeah. All the pieces all around, like at different place. areas involving different people, but somehow they connect together. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, oh my God. And this, also like things like this. It's like, how, I really wonder like how much control of the world do we have? Because it almost seems like the other side knows what's going to happen and they are like trying, then they control it. Here's the other thing that I'm thinking from this email. Mm hmm. But thank God it happened because we got this story out of it. I know. I know. It's so scary. And I was so thrilled when we got that email. And I've been waiting to read it. And I was like, when do I read it? When do I find time? And then this episode fell into my lap because Aaron's spirit guides guided it to me. Are we the final step? <gasps> the final puzzle piece? Broadcasting my heart kind of to... started beating really fast because of that. Yikes. Sorry. All right. What do you have? This is called Bigfoot and the Ghosts on the Hill. Ooh. So I chose this one. This isn't really about ghost hunting, but it's about a different type of hunting. Dear Ghostesses and Leia the Kitty, my name is Dwight and I'm a listener from New Hampshire. First, I'd like to thank you for your podcast. I struggle with depression, but I love to write. And one of my favorite topics is the paranormal. So as you can imagine, I was thrilled when I found such a great podcast to help me get through the day. Anyway, you've mentioned Bigfoot before. So it made hmm. me think of a short and true story that I had written about growing up in Pennsylvania. Oh, and it has ghosts, too. So the combination of the two best things in the world? The two best things. And also, okay, spoiler, we're going to get there. But he grew up in Pennsylvania, and that's where my dad used to hunt. So I was like, oh, I texted my dad today. I was like, where in Pennsylvania did you hunt? And he told me the town. And he was like, why? And I was like, because one of our listeners basically saw Bigfoot. <laughs> also, I'm going home to Pennsylvania in a few weeks. Maybe I can go find Bigfoot. In Pennsylvania? Yeah, go for it. There are only a few things that I that can keep me out of the woods. One is winter. I don't own any snowshoes, and even if I did, I don't think that my knee would forgive me for using them. Besides, it's just cold and wet, and as much as I like the color blue, it really doesn't look good on my skin. <laughs> the other is Bigfoot. I've never seen him, and I don't really know if he exists, but there was one time that I'm pretty sure that he was going to show up and ruin the woods for me forever. If you're out in the woods alone long enough, you'll get that creepy feeling. The feeling that some something else is out there with you, watching you. Now, if you've got an overactive imagination like yours truly, that hmm. thing probably has fur and giant teeth and claws. Usually I know it's just my imagination. Like the time I was writing about werewolves down by the pond and had to walk back home through the dark. Still, even though I knew it was my imagination, a dead stump still nearly killed me before I remembered no. that werewolves don't exist. <laughs> oh. Every once in a while, though, the creepy feeling doesn't come from my imagination. And you begin to wonder if maybe, just maybe, there might be something out there after all. I grew up on a farm in the middle of Nowheresville, Pennsylvania. Don't look for it on a map because you won't find it. Trust me. <laughs> 
<laughs> we never had much money and what little we did get went right back into maintaining the farm and growing and raising enough food to eat. And hunting was an important bit of our lives each fall and the chance to add meat to our freezer to help us get through the winter. My favorite place to hunt was on the southeastern corner of the farm down by the hollow past what we called the triangle field. I only hunted there a couple of years, though, and eventually I moved on to the other side of the farm to a tree stand that my uncle had built. Part of it was because I had hurt my knee and it was easier to walk, but the real reason was Bigfoot. (gasps) My neighbors from down the road had a plot of forest behind their house, the kind of woods that gives you the creepy feeling almost instantly, the kind of creepy feeling that makes you not want to be alone. There was even an old abandoned house on the hill, according to a local legend, had once been inhabited by a trio of witches, the actual evil kind, and now that house is haunted. That alone was enough to make me avoid that place, and I had already read and made up enough stories about spooks and specters to know better. But then one day, just a few weeks before hunting season, my neighbor told me a story that made me want to avoid the woods altogether. It was a normal evening, but soon after the sunset, an eerie howling started to drift down from the woods. Behind their house, they had a small trailer where a friend of a family was living. And I don't remember his name, but I do know that he had a scorpion tattoo. And the howling was deeper than coyotes and louder than anything he had ever heard before. And it was getting closer until it sounded like it was right outside. He turned on the lights and looked out the windows. Nothing. It was all quiet for a while, and he thought that whatever it was had just gone away when something grabbed the trailer and lifted it off of its blocks, screaming and howling like a monster from the pit. The next morning, he went to the house, told my neighbors his his story, and then left. And as far as I know, he never came back. Don't blame him. When the family went out to check, it was just like he had said. The trailer was off of its foundation and there were faint marks of huge feet all around. They followed the trail back into the woods until they found a patch of ground that was littered with bits of bloodied fur. When the father looked up, they saw a deer hanging by its head from the fork of a tree more than eight feet in the air. It had been crudely butchered, torn open by claws or a sharp rock, and its head had been crushed by something heavy. Its organs were gone. My uncle passed off this story as poachers playing a prank, but I'm not so sure. If a poacher killed the deer, then where were the bullet holes? Why risk arrest for killing an illegal animal and then leave the animal in the tree? I don't know what to think of this story myself, but when my neighbor told it to me, I could see the fear in her eyes, see the way that she glanced over her shoulder at the woods. It had happened little more than a mile away from where I liked to hunt, so I was uneasy as I walked through the dark to my spot, and the morning was unusually still. None of the birds you usually hear as the sun begins to rise were singing, and even the wind was silent, as if it was waiting for something, anything to happen. I got that creepy feeling the moment I stepped into the trees, the world lit only by my flashlight, and by the time I found the stump I used as a chair, I was wishing for the sun, when something moved in the woods behind me. The hairs on the back of my neck didn't just stand up, they started their own gymnastics team. The worst part was that the thing in the woods was now between me and the road back to my house. Oh my god. Oh my god. Nightmare. I didn't see anything that day. But by the time I managed to stop my eyes from bugging out, it was almost lunchtime. And when I went back out to hunt again, I went to the other side of the farm and I knew that my imagination had probably just gotten the better of me. 
But on the off chance that there was something large and hairy watching me that morning, I knew I didn't want to meet it. And at least in the other spot, I'd have two or three other hunters between any Sasquatches and myself. Well, that brings me to the end of this tale. I'd better get going, too, because I'm writing this out of my favorite spot in the woods and I'm getting that spooky feeling again. Ah! Okay, so that's like, that was the story that he had written, his like true story, detailing his accounts. But then he writes again, there are a few details that I left out of the story that makes the story my neighbor my neighbor told even weirder. First was that I was actually born in their house. And if my parents hadn't moved, I might have a very different story. Second, they had always known that the woods were strange, but they never realized why. When they would walk into the woods, particularly if they walked close to that old house, something would knock on the trees and they would hear whistles and hoots. All this made me wonder, was the Bigfoot connected to the ghosts in the abandoned house? And did the Bigfoot know that the house was haunted and was trying to keep people away from it so they would stay safe? Or was he trying to protect the ghosts? Or was the Bigfoot the source of the shadows and sounds and weird things that people saw when they went to the house at night? One last weird piece. My cousin and I had been planning to go camping in the woods along with one of the neighbor's kids. Not long before we were going to go, I had a strange dream, a dream about camping out in the woods and being chased out by a large shadow. I never told my cousin or my neighbor about this dream, but they had suddenly changed their minds. And when they told me that they didn't want to go camping, they had strange expressions on their face. Maybe they each had the dream, too. That's what I was thinking. for your stories. And hopefully you enjoyed mine. Dwight whoa oh my god chills 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 i was gonna say that dream thing i bet you something was warning them because something bad was gonna happen when they were camping yeah because he i mean dwight was saying like i wonder if the bigfoot is protecting the ghosts but what if it's the other way around yeah what if the ghosts are protecting people from coming in contact with sasquatch or big <gasps> we're uncovering if- so many mysteries today yeah what if Bigfoot is actually on this sort of like spectral plane and is like of physical body but can communicate with spirits just the same? Uh, and so somehow know. they all talk to each other. I don't, I don't know, know. But being in the woods alone is scary. And <sighs> yeah. There are, and that yeah. whole story, like the neighbor's story with like the whatever it was creature, a lifting up the house and then and then the animal hanging in the tree oh it's just so scary yeah it's very scary and it's like from from the bigfoot stories that i've heard it doesn't matter if you have a rifle or a knife or whatever like it there's just your rifle will be snapped in half and you will be just ripped apart there's nothing you can do yeah. I mean, if it's bad, like with all animals, like with all people, like with all spirits, I'm sure there are good ones and bad ones. Good Bigfoot, bad Bigfoot. Dangerous Bigfoot, happy Bigfoot. But also, they're animals, or if they exist, they are creatures, and they are trying to survive. And it's the food chain for them. They need it's to eat. It's the food chain. Yeah, you're not in their normal diet, just like you're not in sharks normal diet. But if you go into their house and they mistake you for either a threat or for food or they're desperate, you might not come out of the woods. It's snack time. Snack time. Crunch, crunch, crunch bones. Mm. Wow. 
So creepy. Guys, if you have ghost stories or Bigfoot stories or alien stories, please email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We are 100% accepting emails. I've had a few people, we've had a few people email us saying, like, are you still taking stories? Yes, we are. Email oh, us. Yes. Email Absolutely. us all the time. Uh, we also have social media. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We post a lot of the photos that we talk about on here on our Instagram. We have funny tweets sometimes. And then our Facebook is where we reference all the time. So if you want to join that Facebook group, you totally can. You just got to answer two questions. If you want to like us on uh, our Facebook page, like a business page, you can do that. You can also take it a step further and like us and review us on iTunes. And if you want to take it another step further, you can donate to our Patreon page and help uh, support this podcast getting made. Uh, we have all these fun tiers and bonuses for you guys. We yes. posted our like – we will post live shows on there. We'll post like – I've been posting like what episode we're doing the week before and like you can ask your questions or give us suggestions that we might do. Right. And if you want to take it a step further than further – January 13th, we have a live show in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Improv. If you can go, if you're available, if you have friends, if you a- anyone wants to come, you should definitely come. This one's an important one. It's our very first one. We're super excited. And hopefully this one goes well so that we can go to other cities. Yeah. And when you come or you're wherever you are in life, in the world, uh, support us by buying merch. We have merch on two girls one ghost podcast merch dot dot com, and yeah, that's a good Christmas gift. It's a great Christmas gift, and also if you guys want to order stickers to put in like stockings or give away to your friends, like I don't know Secret Santa, if they really like our podcast, uh, get those orders in before December what like fifteenth, so you can get it in time for Christmas. And we will. See you you on on the the other other side. side.